All right, here we go, episode 12 of Salty. We are once again in the fly room. I am your host, Rob Shumsky. I am here with my co-host, Jennifer Matsu, and special guest, The Littles. So, we have a few things we're going to talk about today. We're going to run through one of the fly fishing tournaments here in Galveston called the Galveston Classic, put on by Gordian Sons. And then we're going to talk to Brian and Kaler about mostly about the new carbon skiff so here we go about the galveston classic jen and i were out of town so this is the first time i have not fished the classic since it started kind of baron kind of threw a wrench and everything and moved it up a month so we can blame <laughs> baron for that thanks Baron. but um i think it, he did it because of the weather Oh, yeah, hot. it was like record yeah. highs. Too hot, yeah. too hot. But Not supposed to be this hot right now. Well, um, uh, we, we we would love for the Galveston Classic not to be on the fringes of tarpon season, just mm-hmm. in case anybody cares. Yeah, and for everyone that doesn't know, the Galveston Classic is a redfish tournament, and it is a two-day tournament, and you're looking for four redfish that are 28 inches. So the winning goal is 112 inches what which was met two years in a row um i'll try to pull up some yeah i think last year they were right under it were they yeah maybe they were perfect but i think they were under it i don't you know that's one thing last year they didn't really announce the final inches Mm. i think when matt and garrett wanted garrett wanted they didn't have four reds that back then it was two and they had two 28s Malone's might have had two twenty eight. Yeah. So, but to hitch four you know, out of two days, Unreal. three fish a day, yeah, they they did good. I mean, I don't know. We didn't fish it. Rob and I got back in Friday afternoon, and the Galveston Classic was all day Friday and all day Saturday. So, we got back in. We thought, well, we'll just go out and just poke around a little bit for a few hours and kind of see what everybody's having to deal with because we knew it was going to be really rough and maybe you can tell us a little bit about what those conditions were like because i i mean we didn't spend a lot of time and we didn't go far we normally fish in our backyard and um it was pretty dismal i think i well i I know i saw one Redfish eating at the on the grass line, cast to it, and never saw it again because the water was so dirty and it never rose up again. And then I saw that was Saturday. That was Saturday, yeah. and then I saw three potential redfish, but they could have been gar because I really never even got a good look at them. They just kind of rose up. I got some color. You know, there was some, you know, it was a light colored fish that showed me part of its body for a a moment and then I never saw it again. And like that's, and then of course we blew out some or whatever, but never saw their wakes even. I mean, it was just, it was horrible. And I, Rob and I kept saying, shoot, you know, like if we were fishing this, this would be something else i think this year though and i've repeated this through the tournament and uh but i think we're about a month behind i really do i think we had a colder mm-hmm. winter our spring came in a little late a lot of, almost all the rivers are muddy right now um 
there is some grass. It's just where there's grass, it's good grass, but it's not everywhere it usually is June, July. Um, so that had something to do with it. We had some flood tides during pre-fishing, mm-hmm. but then tournament day, they were low. So when I say pre-fishing, a week, week and a half beforehand. So pre-fishing, you either had to be on them for weeks because it was hard to find them, you know, a week before the tournament because it was stupid high, mm-hmm. knowing that if we found them on these flats, they would be dry tournament day and tournament weekend. So it was a, it was a little tough, um, and it showed in the weights. You know, Brad and Ryan got on them. Uh, Owen and Flounder came in and had one day of fishing, um, picked the right area, and they got on them. They were seven eighths three quarters inch below you know first place and that's that's pretty darn good pretty darn good and in third place was what like six or four inches below them you know so that's a big drop and then fourth and fifth place was just way below and then top 10 was you just had to have four fish so i think half the field weighed fish in so it was a struggle and it hit us i mean we we were on fish we knew we would be able to we had to catch two good fish a day and everywhere we pre-fished we found good fish but we only found one to two while pre-fishing you know we didn't go beat these flats up all day but um come tournament day it was just lights out i mean the first day we had two shots at slot uh, upper slot reds and caught one of them and then the second day just because brad when brad and ryan bring in 328s we first place was out of it for us so we're going for second probably not even second because owen and flounder had really good fish so it was third place or let's win the cocky sob Mm -hmm. let's try to win the red fish or the biggest red or whatever so we threw the cocky sob fly and what is that tell tell like people that don't fish this they don't know what yeah so what is what's cool about the galveston classic is first place is you know throw whatever you want whatever leader you want and it's the biggest it's three three reds a day but your biggest four of the two days and you can weigh in six fish but it's your biggest four of those six so you have to catch at least one a day mm-hmm. um but the cocky sob is a fly that they give you uh one first year it was a mouse fly second year it was a trout a, a freshwater trout grasshopper mm-hmm. small hook i think one person caught a trout on it so then third year they went back to the mouse fly both of the mouse fly years gabe and i won it um i just happened to catch those fish even though gabe caught fish on the mouse fly mine one of the years mine was bigger than his and then um this year was a like a four inch bass fly so it was all chenille with a floating tail two wee guards you know monofilament yep, wee guards. See, seen, yeah. we have it and they did say we could weight the fly, but you couldn't modify it, modify it. So you couldn't cut it down. You couldn't cut the tail off. Of course, within 15 minutes of t- throwing our fly, Gabe lost the floating tail of ours. But anyway, we weighted it down a little bit. I don't know if who wanted if they weighted it, but I think they did. But Gabe cast it at a 40-incher that just didn't even want to look at it. We cast it at two to three other slot reds that didn't even look at it. So... At the end of day two, I, I ended up taking it off just to try to catch a fourth fish. But, yeah, we had one fish day one, 26 and a half. Second day, we had two 23s. 
max out on that second day had a fish every 50 to 100 yards on this mud flat and just every fish was 23 22 so we just weren't on big fish it just was is yeah so we got outfished by the fish outfished by other anglers and you know it is what it is yeah but you know and just to kind of give everyone a kind of a rundown it was uh brad bosham and ryan bird beecham beecham Where's he from? Texas? Them, them orange Texas boys. You get mad <laughs> if you don't pronounce it. Right. It's Beecham. It looks like Beauchamp, yeah. don't it? Probably. That's um, probably how they were pronounced three decades ago. Right. Brad, Brad and both Ryan are stand-up gentlemen. Yeah. Super nice guys. Yeah, so they, they, they won the tournament with 112 inches, the perfect score. Um, second place went to uh, Clay Guest and Owen Gaylor. Um, so so K, everyone knows Clay as Flounder on the fly. Um, they had a 111 inches and one eighth inch, and then third place went to Joey Sullivan and Kyle Kentner with 106 inches and seven eighths. So five inches below for third place. And yeah. Those two guys have won, if not placed top three, several times. So yeah, they know what they're doing. Yeah, for sure. And I have to give props to Owen and Flounder because you know, yeah. Flounder fishes around here sometimes when he's not out winning Turpin tournaments. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but the reality is, this is or I'm this is not Owen's home water. Right? Well, let's be I real. Mean, Owen ain't fishing Galveston. Never. He, he, he comes I mean, in. It, we it, all. It's how you know, cool is yeah. that for him to be able to yeah. come here and have one the, day of pre-fish. One day like, of pre-fishing. He didn't fish all week. It just is what it is. He's he guided all the way up to the last day. I wanted him to come in because he's a friend of mine. We like hanging out with him. Not yeah. only that. Well, he's a great guy. But I wanted, you know, it's the first year for us to fish a carbon in this gift. Even my aluminum customers, we all share and talk. Some of us don't, we don't share like exact spots and stuff. But there is some help here and there and whatever. But for them two to come in and find what they found mm-hmm. with little to no help and do what they did it was just it's you got to give them you know you high five to those guys yeah no, for it's sure. they, super impressive if you hear how they did it because it, it'll probably hit on a sabine story we'll talk about that youtube um show we're starting with sabine skips youtube channel but they didn't the way they fished those fish were smart i mean there were they knew what they had there's probably four hours of day they staked out and waited for their fish to get right, and then went into them. That sounds like Jen so and I last year. It, I've heard, I've heard your story, yes. and they did a lot of. <laughs> and that it. was so painful because yeah. we were Rob was on those damn fish for days, and and didn't mess with them, and watched them, and then of course you know how. But well, what happens when you get into a school of fish and you catch one in a big flat? Like you very oh, yeah. seldom get a shot, a, second or again. third shot. Right, right. And they got, they got a few it. shots during a minor, well, and then they yes. waited for the major, and then they went in and they caught a 28 the second day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, they needed I, I two more 28s, but they had a 27 and three quarter and a 27 and like five eights or three eights or whatever it was. But, you know, they had to, they had to have Brad and Ryan mess up. Right. That's and Brad and Ra- Brad did not mess up. No. Yeah. That's, so um, that's clutch stuff. And, that, yeah. you know, you talk to Brian and Brad, and a little bit I did. I don't push them too much for information. But just talking to them that second day, and they're like, man, we caught 29, we caught 30, we mm-hmm. caught 20, you know, then a 28. So 
they had they had some issues too because they were catching over slots. Yes. Where me and Gabe were just catching on, you know, babies. I mean, they. I don't want to speak for them, but what they told me straight from the horse's mouth was that you know they were getting attacked by mosquitoes, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I saw their. I mean, they were covered. Their ankles to their feet yeah. were a nightmare, and then they they caught the fish they needed by yeah. 7:30 a.m. every day, they and that left their fish tailing, hitting the boat, all of, yeah. and left them alone. Yep. I mean, that's, um, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> to do it in the yeah. weather conditions, yes. especially yes. what the weather conditions, or, or not weather, tide, everything, coming up to this tournament, you know, hats off, high five to those guys. They, um, I'm proud to know them. I'm proud to be, I'm proud to get a text from him the day before the tournament, jokingly saying, I'll see you at the ramp, <laughs> jokingly, <laughs> knowing he's nowhere near me. Right. Anyway, we just pick on each other you know and that's what this tournament's about it's it's fun we have you know the sabine customers we went hog hunting the night before with some of them we have dinner with some of them and you know we joke back and forth because of our camaraderie but then we have many many other friends that we put stickers on their cars right. at the tournament. you know just oh, joking with funny. them and just yeah and <laughs> the 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 captain's meeting and the weigh-ins is really a chance to catch up with people you don't get to see because you don't work yeah. with them. They live on the other side of Houston. They live in Katy. They live in... We had friends come in from Corpus right. that Kayla yeah. and I share friendship with him and his wife. And he sits there and hangs out with us for 30 minutes to an hour that I'll see him every four years. Mm-hmm. And that that's what it's about, yes. you know, and then you get this, you know, bear. No, I agree. I mean, that's why yeah. we went to the weigh-in because, I mean. Yeah, y'all show up and we're high-fiving yeah, everyone's, and joking yeah, and punching I mean, each other. I love to see everyone. Yeah. And that's what these things are about. I mean, yeah, we sponsor it. We push our skiffs there. But majority of people there, they have their own boats. They know what they want to do and, you know. So. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was, um, I thought it was pretty cool how they. You know, at first play, you know, it's it's one of those things, and I struggle with it myself, too, you know. You go to these tournaments, whether you win or, you, you know, whatever category you win in, win in or what have you, I mean, how many fly rods do you need to win? You know, how many reels do you need to win? You know, so it was kind of cool to see them give away, you know, some belt buckles, which were pretty i would have loved to have one of those belt buckles that was pretty yeah, sweet was you know but like yeah that, that would have been bad be to the bone right dude um so that was kind of cool that they, they they mixed it up a little bit yeah. and yeah. um had some different prizes for everyone you know yeah and, and they there was gordian sons because i don't know if we maybe we said it earlier but that's that's the fly shop in houston that is responsible for this tournament they yeah. set and they set the bar high um, for fly shops in Houston. Oh yeah, hundred I mean, percent. I mean, FTU they the, was you know obviously the before them the and set world. the bar there. Yeah, and <laughs> we have some really good fly shops in Houston. I would say, yeah, out of any town that I've traveled to, we have really good fly shops mm-hmm. from Galveston to downtown mm-hmm. Houston to Katy to wherever. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, but to have the Gordies step in and and Baron is just a. I mean, who doesn't love Baron? You right. Know, Baron just... No, I thought it was there. cool the way... And, you know, I think the way they did the prize table was, you know, they did second place first, third place, and then first place. You know, they got to pick from a pr- prize pool, but it's like Owen, 
and flounder. You know, they're like, hey, do you guys want salt uh, or whatever, uh, sage, sage R8s or, you know, Abel Reels? And I don't know if you guys paid attention, but, like, isn't Owen, like, one the commercial boy for sage? sage. So, yeah. like, he doesn't want yeah. another sage rod. Right. I mean, That's what I heard. I kind saw of Flounder funny. right away. He's like, I want the rod or the reel. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, but, I'm demoing Owen's boat right now. Right. Sage's rods. Yeah, and sage rods right. and reels, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's. I thought it was kind of funny. But, I mean, not dogging on anyone, but, like, you know, they're, they're I mean, unless you're going to be me and win a raffle and get a Mako out of the deal, that's different. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> probably put in a couple hundred dollars. A Just one hundred. Oh my goodness! And, and I battled against him for that Mako, which was silly. We have done well, so difference. so they have a, they have a raffle, and I I was like, man, I don't you know, I got plenty of gear, so you know the, I thought, well, okay, I'm, I will probably never buy a Mako. So I'll I'll buy a hundred dollars worth of tickets, and I'll you know go for the Mako. You need four. And well, so the prize package I won, the Mako, it's the sixteen hundred ninety dollar variety. So I won a, a, a sixteen hundred dollar reel, thousand dollar rod. A rod with it. A Zane Pro. I did not know that. A Zane Pro. And a three hundred dollar Patagonia backpack, <laughs> so I want like three thousand dollars worth wow. of stuff. I did not know. Yeah, I, I saw the reel. That's all I saw when you were like, Brian, you want it? You know, because <laughs> right. we were sitting next to each other. I did not know you had the rod. Yeah, yeah. rod, yeah. reel, and a backpack for a hundred bucks. Well, and they had a an auction too. Sabine, yeah, we did a yeah, that was a cool auction. Fishing trip. Uh, one of my clients has a nice place. Uh, lives in Lake Charles offered up his personal lodge for his family and they have personal land that we uh, that we're gonna hunt on uh duck geese woodcock depending on the weather we might even last year we uh we hired some guides next door to his uh, place to hunt and then this year we doubled up said you can either do a hunting trip or you can go fishing with us at, at a better time than December or January, because Southwest Louisiana, Southeast Texas, and January, December does not conducive to red fishing. So we opened up, you know, we'll meet you in Lake Charles, we'll put you up in our, you know, uh, Kenny's Lodge, and then either go to the refuge, go to the reserve, Louisiana right. shoreline, whatever. And then uh, another hunting outfit donated a or donated it which what went up for bid for a hunting trip in mexico which is yeah i thought that was pretty cool yeah and you know what i have to say about all of that i mean that was all in the live auction and what i think needs to be highlighted is what you and kayler do for the community and i mean you all give so much and a lot of times you know, I, maybe we aren't even great about thanking you enough, but what you do for the community and what you do mm-hmm. for um, conservation and in supporting this entire sport is quite huge. And, you know, Brian and Kayla, you, you y'all gave a trip, right? And then what did y'all do? You turned around and bought... Bauman bought that split, one. Split a trip. Split a right? trip. Bauman bought that one. Yeah, Bauman uh, brought that one. I'm, oh, right. I'm just riding his coattail. Right. Like, no, just, but yeah, we bought I that do, one. I really but, do think, I think well, that y'all 
you know, I, I figured I just, the only way I could go to old Mexico that is awesome is buy a trip without Kayla's permission. Right. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> she texted me. Kayla doesn't goes, have a microphone. I so know you and Corey <laughs> didn't just buy that trip. <laughs> right. I was like, Oh no, Corey bought that trip. But no, um, the trip we donated, the Sabine trip with Creco Farms and Kenny Duvall and, and Duvall Towing, you know, that trip went over five grand and the Mexico trip went over five grand. Yeah. So that's over 10 grand nice. raised for Galveston uh, Bay Foundation. Yeah, that's real nice. Which helps our marsh right across our house. Yeah. Helps West Bay Marsh and Christmas Bay stuff. So um, plus other things that was given inside an auction is going to go to them. So there's potentially 15 to 20 grand without getting Barron's permission on numbers, but if you do the math, 15 right. to 20 grand, that potentially goes to Galveston Bay Foundation. Yeah, that's nice, you know, and... Um, a lot of erosion around here. They've been planting grass and mm -hmm. Christmas and um, drum bay and things like that. So um, hats off to them for putting that on. Hats off for the guys that donated all the trips. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a good tournament. 50% of the people caught fish. Gabe and I just had a had yeah. A sometimes year. you're uh, sometimes you're on them. Sometimes you're not. Yeah. And you know that's the thing about this uh, saltwater red fishing is you know these fish can go anywhere they want whenever they want. So one day they're here and the next day they're gone. That's what makes it so yeah. challenging and difficult. And if I it think, was easy, we wouldn't yeah. be doing right. That. I think that makes it. Um, I was talking to Flounder about our fishery here in Galveston Bay, and he said, listen, <laughs> and this, I don't think anybody would argue that. Um, we really do have, ultimately, the most challenging red fish fishery as far as anyone can say. It's right? pretty difficult Between, in Galveston. Yeah. From, I would say I'd say before you get to Tampa. <laughs> I would this say this is um, really tough. <laughs> coming from someone who lived in the Sabine area for almost twenty years, you know, I wasn't born and raised in Sabine. I, I moved there in '97. Spent fifteen years there before I moved off for a project, and then came back to Houston. I still fish there. I would say from Sabine, I fished every bay system in Texas except the. Um, Oh, down south. Anyway, Lower Port Mansfield. Port, Port Mansfield is the only major harbor I haven't left from. Now, I've ran close to there coming from South Padre, and I fished, you know, um, it doesn't matter, but I fished from Baffin all the way to Land Cut to Nine Mile. But fishing the whole Texas coast, I really think Galveston Bay system is the toughest because we, we have clear water, but we have muddy water south with oysters. East Bay Trinity can be tricky because of the bay systems. Sabine can be as in my opinion as good as Port O'Connor in some places some some time frames a year and Port O'Connor South has the weather and has the clear water all the way to South Texas so I'm not like hot spot in Port O'Connor I'm just saying no. it kind of starts I always try to hot spot Port O'Connor it, it kind of starts in <laughs> West Matagorda Bay down uh -huh. south they just yeah. their water clarity and water temperature mm -hmm. and a massive shallow water flats is is just better than Galveston and Sabine yeah. so it's hard to catch redfish in the wintertime in Sabine when you can down south and, you know you can wet wade almost yeah. around down south so and so I have to give a plug because it's a perfect time because you know I have not been 
doing this for very long, you know, three plus years. And it took me, I don't know, two and a half months or something like that to catch my first redfish on the fly when I first started. And when I met Rob, he said, listen, you're learning in the hardest fishery around our oh, area. 100%. It's going to help you make and you a better fish. if you can catch Galveston Bay redfish, you can catch, you can catch yeah. redfish or, you know, other species quite honestly anywhere because you've, you've learned the accuracy you've learned all of it you know the and, only i think the yeah. only thing we don't get here is long distance accuracy that's cast. that's true so i've been tarpon yeah. fishing the guy's like it's a 60 foot shot brian you're right but into this wind mm-hmm. that's a hard accuracy it's 60 foot yeah. plus we can all do it but yeah. your fly might land eh. four foot or eight foot uh, over yeah. or whatever. Yeah, we could talk but, a little bit about tarpon fishing yeah. too. But I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. back right, you know, just r- kind of circling back to the classic. Um, hopefully, you know, I think next year we'll definitely fish it. But I mean, you know, it's such a hard tournament to get a. Once you get a spot, you always have a spot. But you know, it's like one of those crazy things where the tournament always sells out and like three minutes you know and then you're just like well what do i do now you know so a lot of people you know get caught sleeping and don't don't enter for the tournament um but you know always glad to have a tournament in town that we can all go fish and then i know people at the weigh-in they were asking me about the feather flickers tournament coming up we do not have a solid date but we're trying to look at Early September. He nail it down so we can plan till hunting. And I know. Because yeah, I, I know dove hunting is going to yeah. be around that time. But, you know, I will, I d- you know, it will be out of Harbor Walk. Yeah. I've been talking to uh, Gus over there, and it's going to be a lot different this year than every other year in every tournament that's on the coast. You do a blast off? Yes. yes. Yeah. That's a, why I want to fish it. We're going to do a blast off and... We will probably have like, you know, a hundred fifteen horsepower motor. Um, yeah, max. Max, just because I mean there are skiffs that have one fifteens on them, you know. Um, but yeah, that's it's going to be a a blast off from Harbor Walk with no boundaries. You, if you feel like you need to drive to Port O'Connor, drive to Port O'Connor. You know, we used yeah. to do it. You know, back in the the redfish days when Brian and I we used to, we used to fish all over we always had to leave from a port and Kima to, go wherever you want Kima to sabine yeah 110 sabine miles all the way to freeport you know that's right uh, i've been from Kima to freeport and yep. Kima to sabine or louisiana because i'll tell you what i i am a little like uh, i'll I just say i'm a little bit bitter about the whole thing where I, I i feel like i want people to fish galveston bay for Galveston fly fishing, red fishing. Well, I think doing... But this gives us, at least we're going to level the playing field, right? And you can't go sit on your spot at 4 a.m. Right. You know, so if you want to go and fish it and you feel very confident that you have the right tides and the right major and all of that for two or three hours and then turn around and come back, more power to you but i do think that it 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 changes the dynamics so that's kind that's our way of i think 
leveling the playing field without completely cutting your hand off and saying, you know, you can't fish yeah. here or there, a Matagorda. I like or that. Whatever. They did it the first year of the Classic, and Kayla and I fished together, and that was awesome. We were racing to spots. And, um, but it does, you know, it can because of weather keep everybody close because of north winds and i mean there's a mm-hmm. north wind blowing i'm sorry buddy but you're not fishing trinity or east bay right mm-hmm. you're gonna have hell crossing the yeah. ship channel. but if the weather's right you cross it you jump an intercoastal yeah, yeah. i like it it makes Game it over. see you it, in sabine boys yeah. but no so, yeah but, but you know what i mean it's you working on that carbon 115 yeah. <laughs> <Just kidding>. yeah. <laughs> but um i think it but looks, also yeah. i think you'll uh limit trolling motors push pole only oh yeah there gotcha. yeah I'm, yeah. yeah i um, that's one thing i like about the master's cup yeah and i've only fished it once i've only been invited once but no trolling motors um because that time of year you can troll a motor on some schools and yeah but push pole only and then uh, yeah i haven't come out with the official rules or everything but you know the three fish thing is going to probably stay the same um Everyone's gonna. I already, you know, we we just have to nail down a date. But I already talked to Harbor Walk, and everyone's gonna launch there in the morning, and we're gonna have to. It's gonna be one of those, you know, fun mornings where everyone launches. I, I've done millions of tournaments where I've been the contestant, and we launch boats. So it's not, it's not. We're not all. We're not shooting a gun, and everyone's taking off. So it's pretty safe. And it's organized, but you know everyone's going to have to get there, and get their boat in the water, and know how to launch their boat quickly. And we're going to try to let let the first boat go at almost dark yeah. and light. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, we're not going to let you go when it's full light out. You know, we're going to yeah. let you go at gray light. You know, dark when it's hard. Yeah, dark thirty. Yeah, you know, time, so yeah. everybody be ready. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a fun. If y'all. I enjoyed that back in the day. Um, I enjoy how Classic does it, things like that, because you can kind of get to where you want to be. And there's a joke with me and Gabe or anybody I've ever fished with, because I always throw up. <laughs> if I'm on fish, and I've been in I've thrown up a couple times for boats, tournaments, and I'm over there hacking up a Gatorade. But uh, that's just the jitteries. That, I mean, mm. When you lose that, we talk about it today, Jen, yes, like when yes. you lose that feeling, you yeah. might as well... Oh. Well, take up bird hunting or yeah and it's you know i think you know those tournaments where you blast off and you end up at the same you know the way inside i mean it just it's a little more fun everyone gets to see everyone and you know like you know and then i'll know what everyone who has what boat you know because i see so many anglers out on the water i'm like who's that and i'm like i don't know i've never seen that boat i mean it's another sabine but i never i don't know whose it is you know, but, um, or, you know, you'll see different boats and you're just like, where'd that boat come from? Um, where most, you know, before it was like, oh, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. Right. Now it's like, I don't even know what boat people are in and it would be kind of nice to know. But, um, speaking, I don't know, speaking of Sabine, that might be a great time to kind of really get to highlight and talk about um, what Ryan and Kayler have been working on for years you know decades 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 and a half or two and uh, you know rob and i had the pleasure of uh, getting a chance to ride on the latest um carbon fiber skiff and um i'd love to hear more about kind of the process and you know 
how it started and you know where where you are now and like give us give us a little background well let's just cut to the chase brian how much are they no i'm just kidding we'll get to that (laughs) (laughs) that's everyone's that's that's like i know everyone listening wants to know how much are they that's like i'm sure you get oh yeah that call I texted a guy hundred times a day until we got to the price, and then he hadn't responded back. Yet. <laughs> you know what the answer is? Worth it. Yeah. Well, he he knows he's well versed in both yeah. prices, so right. he's, no. it's a chip off his shoulder. Yeah. But no, I'm but let's. Um, all right. So, so you have you have an alloy skiff, and you have the carbon skiff. Mm-hmm. Um. Are you guys? You guys? So let's go through your lineup. You have the. Currently, we have the aluminum skiffs um, because of some Coast Guard regulations and where we are with our uh, clientele, COVID, prices of materials and things. We've made some redesigns. We have two models, right, or three models. One is our Versatile. We've always called it the Versatile. And that's like it's the... Console, 18-foot. The What am I going to say? Not, not the, not, is the flagship model? I would say or that's right. kind of like I would, I would call it the flagship model that it's the most we've sold yeah it's a console boat 18 foot long 78 or 80 inch beam we actually changed its size um, our original versatile was a little smaller so I mean if you want to call it the 2.0 version or whatever but uh and then we have the Versalite uh, kind of a mold of our old guide our micro uh, for for years we had a micro version that was a 30 horsepower boat and through COVID's material pricing and what people wanted in our boat our micro who was originally a simple two-man 30 horsepower boat very feasible because of life just turned into a pretty much almost priced priced out of its category size boat mm-hmm. so we developed a Versa Light a little bit longer a little bit wider carries a 50 horsepower boat so with just a few thousand dollars more you get a three-man boat carries a load better i mean you put four people on it but carries a load with a three person it carries duck decoys good a dog you know two partners or three people fishing right so mm-hmm. we have the versatile which is our console boat versa light is our tiller boat only tiller only tiller for the versa light Okay. And then our river skiff, which is still modeled after our old Versalite's bottom, 316th bottom standard, taller sides, it handles oars, oar locks better. Those, we've only built a handful of those, but they stream from Austin to Montana to Florida. And um, even though we've only built less than 10. So we have those three sizes in our aluminum version. And then for the, really before Sabine started, I was in the composites you know, 15, 20 years ago. And once I kind of fell into the aluminum business and developed this no hole slap aluminum skiff and it took off, funds were available, clients, you know, the name was there. A lot of people wanted a yacht finished composite boat. Didn't really matter what it was made of, uh, but they wanted our performance out of a Texas built composite boat. And interviewing a lot of those customers they're like, well, just go all out, Brian. You're already, you're pretty much an expensive high-end aluminum boat. For its size, we're probably one of the most expensive boats in that class range. Take it to the next level and just go all carbon. And then that morphed into 
where we are today, three or five axis routered hull deck, you know, parts, things fitting together, resin infusion, epoxy builds, full carbon, 30% lighter than our aluminum boats. And kind of my dream 15 to 20 years ago, I'm able to build that boat now, which is a little good. It's, it's cool emotionally. I've almost built my perfect boat. So I have to emotionally deal with that, you know, with how it performs and things like that. But um, yeah, it's 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 a rad boat. It's turned out great. Unfortunately, we did that through the pandemic, so mm-hmm. schedules were a little skewed. But in the grand scheme of things, it's worked out good because we had time to think about things and do things right. And so, it's in production now. We have our own s- composite shop is its own separate shop or building I wouldn't say it's its own entity but it's its own building its own crew that's three guys that's all they do all day and we'll constantly grow that and then potentially bring on more sizes and stuff like that yeah and you know hopefully through some of the questions we ask answer a lot of questions to for uh, all the people out there that are potential customers or actual customers of yours I'm sure you're going to get the phone call that says hey you know i seen you guys on instagram or i've seen your boats who's the customer for what boat so yeah so that's a good question because people know us and they should know us for the no hull slap aluminum skills right and we're known for that we've sold one last week you know i'm working on sales this week so that hasn't stopped um when i first it started probably 12 years ago and I've, I've talked about this in other scenarios but i've built certain one-off boats back in my day mm-hmm. from high-end composites to wood composites and i learned that material doesn't material I'm bad with words but material isn't the reason for no hull slap it's shape so when i fumbled up on the right person to build an aluminum boat for me because I'm I can weld but I'm not you know I'm not an aluminum welder fabricator by trade but we built the first one and I got the type of people you know everybody's question well it's not going to be quiet it's this and it wasn't really I was wanting to build composite boats back then but I had this opportunity to build a no hole slap aluminum boat and then after it worked I felt obligated to bring it to market because why I mean, I'm sitting on this. Not, I'm not sitting on a gold mine because I'm not, trust me, I'm not making a lot of money at this, but I felt obligated to bring it to market because it was, I mean, I had people as soon as they found out about it, other guides and my first few customers, they just came to me and came to me. And then you talk about price. Well, you interview some people and they're like, well, aluminum boats should cost 10 grand. Well, more than half of that's materials right you know and so i, I gotta make a living so you you start this man this boat's pretty expensive but then people bought it they bought it because they needed a rugged boat they wanted a rugged boat some people just like aluminum boats yeah and some i people, understand that there's and one of the reasons we went to composite is some people just want a yacht finished 
jail coded boat. That's like a me. I'm just sorry. They just I'm, I'm, I, I, I hear you. You know, but, I'm that guy. Yeah, you've always been that guy. And I mean, several well, yeah. people. Like, who, look at Rob as one of. I mean, we are neighbors. He's a dear friend of yours, and as much as he loves and respects you, and I'm speaking for you, Rob, but when it came down to it, he was like. When it's time to buy a new skip, I'm just not. I'm not buying it yeah. right now. For me, you know, yeah, yeah you know. Just, for, it, he was also it. like, you know, come on. Well, I'm in my late forties. I'm not. I can't do it. <laughs> so I've had aluminum skiff customers who guide, and they have been told by their guide buddy peers, very respected peers of theirs. They could send this Sabine aluminum boat customer more clients if he ran a composite skiff and not an aluminum John boat is what they called it because they were they wanted they like yacht finished boats and yet my customer would he told me he's like well if that's the case I don't want that type of customer and that dude's busy as he can be right he ain't hurting for work he ain't hurting for work most people get on his boat they don't know it's aluminum right. they don't care. They want to go fishing with X, Y, and Z person. They want to go fishing for X, Y, and Z fish. And they want to go fishing in X, Y, and Z place. Yeah. So the type and the material of your boat, the people that ride that high horse. Now, granted, I have a Mako's reel. (laughs) I have a bunch of them. And I like them because they have good drags. I don't need it half the time. But the fish I bought them for, I need it. Right. I like that, right? But I also bought them because they're pretty high end and premium but i'm in the point in my life where i can afford that i i I shoot shotguns that are way overpriced for the type of birds i shoot right but i enjoy that i'm i'm in and that part of my life where i can enjoy fruits of my labor that i've busted my balls for for 40 something years so there's some people that want that high end right because that's their time off they ride in that they feel well just even as an angler and that we can um edit this out if we need to but i'll just tell you how i feel is that as an angler in your you know your classic aluminum sabine skiff man i've never floated so shallow in my life i'm in a puddle but (laughs) i don't like crossing the bay in that thing because it's like I mean, it's really intense, you know, mm-hmm. and I will get beat up. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. and, and I mean, you know, it's a give and take, right? But there you is know, no you perfect know. skip. But I will tell you, like, I, and so there's, there is that give and take. Right. And I, and I, but if I were to pick it all day long for here, mm-hmm. if I were to have it, I, I want the shallowest riding skiff that's also going to to ride beautifully and maybe that's quite what you've done yeah you know and just to kind of go back on that as far as rides go and i don't know brian i don't know all of brian's clientele but you know it's in the skiff world you could pick any manufacturer you want from Beavertail, Drake, Hell's Bay, Chittum, you get a novice captain or a novice guy that 
hasn't run boats very long and the boat's going to ride like shit. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. So it takes a skilled... When I, when I say captain, I, I don't mean a licensed captain. Right. I mean the guy who's driving the boat. Right. It takes... Some people know how to drive a boat. Some people don't. And that's a lot of it, you know? Number six. Number six aluminum boats back at the shop for some updated work. Um, John Williams owns it. He's Him and his wife own Pack and Paddle in Lafayette. His mother started that sh- that flagship store. It's a very awesome store. Me and him ran out to a barrier island in Louisiana, like 20 miles. And going there, it was rough, but we fished and we caught some bull reds. And riding back, we both had rain gear on, but it was, I don't know, two to three foot. We're going 18 miles an hour, but we made it home safe. We were wet, which I don't think any boat would have been wet. A bay boat would have been wet that day. Right. We just quartered, we had because we had to quarter it. You couldn't pound into it. You couldn't pound out. And what I tell people with our boats is, could we build a better riding boat? Yes. Um, in Texas and West Louisiana, not not East Louisiana to Florida, Mississippi, but from Texas to West Louisiana. I think our boats shine. What I tell people is I can take my boat or I can take a Sabine um, anywhere you can a V-Bay boat. I just have to go slower. I'll be a little bit wetter. But when it comes for shallow water performance, there's not many, if any, boat size range that's going to do what ours will do. Now, there's some will do exactly what ours will do. But displacement, weight, bottom size, there's, there's not many that can do better than what we do. And we can go as shallow. And we had three people on the boat this weekend pushing in some horrible mud because we had a cameraman, Pete, film for us. Yeah, for I want to talk about that too. And and we're casting it back in reds 30, 40 foot away. On video, you'll see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's my goal with our skiffs. Um, I have some people wanting us to build V-hole lightweight boats, and I don't know if I'll ever do it because – 100% of them won't be for Texas customers. Right. And, yeah, you know, it's always that that, that um, you got to give up something to get something. Exactly. You can't float I mean, shallow right. and have a Cadillac ride. That's exactly. right. That's you know, right. I mean. There's, there's a give and take to yes. any boat, yes. whether it's offshore boat. You can talk to Dirk about his offshore boat experience. Um, fast, slow, whatever, three motors, four motors, two motors, whatever. And Dirk is, is a sweet friend. Oh, hundred percent. We've we'll uh, get him on here. Yeah, we'll get him on or, here. And again. he's um, he's sat in this fly room, but, and we we fish Bahamas with him. And yeah, he's a but every friend. from offshore to inshore, yeah. every center console had or, you know your sport fishing boats to skiffs to bay boats. There's always a give and take. One hundred percent. And the Sabine business plan mm-hmm. at this point is to build shallow water boats. Yeah. And we don't, you've done it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I've never seen yeah. a boat that can pull through the things I've seen that and no other boat. I, I feel very quite, quite strongly that yeah. what I saw the day that I went into the shallowest water, I, I'm not quite, I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't been on a, a gazillion skiffs but man i don't know i was i couldn't even believe we were floating it's better to let's see if i quote this right it's better to need it and have it than to need it and not have it right yeah you know and 
that's how I feel about our boats over here. Um, we live over here. I love our Florida customers. I love our Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi customers. I love our um, East Coast from Georgia to South Carolina. And those guys bragged, Dirk's bragged. He said, Brian, in the flood tide, I'll have a, a, an hour or two more efficient than some of my counterparts mm. with their better riding boats because of this flood dropping. And what is what is you Dirk know. what does Dirk have over there? Right now, he sold his aluminum skiff because he has 007 carbon on order, but he does have my one-off. Him and his brother-in-law have my Composite. last one-off boat. Yeah, which I got to visit a few weeks ago, and he could never sell it to anybody but me. If you ever go yeah, to sell I remember it, but that. the boat's still in good shape. <laughs> needs Sorry, y'all. <laughs> needs new deck coating, but um, <laughs> but yeah, he has 007. Uh, potentially a banded edition build because he's from Georgia so we're going to trick his out a little bit of gold accents black and tan and oh, that's so but, awesome uh, if, if things go right we're going to pull it to Georgia I'm just going to put it out there but we're going to pull it to Georgia in a banded edition Trans Am <laughs> and try to make a lifelong memory he's going to fly in and ride with me oh yeah so that, that's been a goal for ours since we started this I mean he was one of the ones I was milling out five axis milling the hull and him and two other clients dropped deposits over two years ago. And they're both of them, all of them, not both of three of them said, Brian, treat us right. Bill us how you should. Don't cut yourself short. And that's the type of customers and family that we have. And I've, I've limited my sales to the first 10 to Sabine family or even though that some of them aren't Sabine customers they're family and they've put faith in us and helping us get this off the ground you know and yeah so aluminum carbon who's who's buying what and why so, are they buying it what's, so the, the, what's aluminum, the deal right now the aluminum customers uh, there are some that just want aluminum let's just say there's there's that customer that just wants aluminum and then we do have customers that just want composite. Our, some of our composite guys, they would never buy aluminum. Some of our aluminum guys would never buy composite. So would you... But that, that's one. That's one. The second one is durability. Durability. Oysters, coral, limestone rocks. Uh, in the rivers, we have sandbars, rock bars. You know, our river skiff does good in that situation. But majority of our aluminum boat customers want them for the rigidity or the ruggedness of the aluminum they can scratch the heck out of it they don't have to worry about gel coat repairs oyster rashes i mean some of the guys have oyster rashes nine inches up because oyster grows up in clumps Dude, it might be six inches of water wow. it might be 12 inches of water but your oysters are six yeah, inches right, tall right, or eight right. inches tall they feel way more comfortable pulling their aluminum boat and our guys on the east coast that have oyster rakes not reefs <laughs> rakes. rakes yeah, yeah we know all about the, the rakes guys. you hear that oyster dirt? rakes and um <laughs> coral reefs and limestone rocks that just want a boat they're not going to poke a hole in uh, one of my best salesmen in florida um put twelve thousand dollars of damage in his composite skiff from lower unit from an $8,000 hole in his composite skiff 
mm-hmm. which caused him to buy aluminum. He still has a composite boat for tarping mm-hmm. out front, but when he wants to go in his back lakes, he runs his Sabine. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the guys that want, you know, the guys that duck hunt, they can throw their decoys in. They're going to run wherever, you know, stump fields. They're going to run log stuff, you know. Yeah. Tim, timber. Timber. Yeah, yeah. Nope. You know? That, that, you know, that, yeah. that makes a lot of sense because, you know, I, I've duck hunted, but I'm not, I, I tried it out. Not really a fan of, you know, the wet and the cold, but, you know, it makes sense. So, yeah, I forget about that aspect of the utilitarian part of the, the alloy skiff and, is and that it's a, duck boat redfish boat it's all around skiff versatile yeah um which is is probably the best name i could ever name the skiff yeah that's a great name since especially since we're coming out with a composite edition but um but there's some that just feel comfortable um a, a recent customer of ours he bought owens used versatile right his reasoning to buy it, he said, Brian, I can put my son, I can safely put my 16-year-old son in this boat that Owen Gaylor ran for three years, did not disintegrate it. He feels safe putting his 16-year-old or 15-year-old son and his 13 to 14, 15-year-old buddies to go fishing, and they're going to come back to the dock every time. Yeah. So it's a lifetime boat for him. He feels safe with his kids in it. They can beat it up at the dock. They can beat up in oysters. They can run up on a sandbar accidentally, you know, because they're learning. They're young, young captains. And that's the type of customer that buys our aluminum boats. Um, while we're talking, it's it's quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, all the quietness, the performance of shallow water. Yeah, they definitely, they definitely perform. And for anyone out there who hasn't been on either. I guess not very many people have been on the carbon, but you know, if you haven't been on the aluminum skiff or whatever, you're in the market, give Brian a call. He will show you probably more than you want to get shown on a demo. Um, and how the boat can perform at the very edge of everything. So I think um, (laughs) other than myself, there's about three or four other, customers who can run them as good or better than me yeah and we'll show you a good time we'll run the marsh and show you everything that boat can do right yeah and um yeah so for anyone i i love the boats i mean there's no doubt it's probably one of the shallowest boats that's made um there might be a couple other that our neck and neck well it well in its class i'm I'm talking about yeah your 17 8 18 foot polling skiff i mean you know the versatile floats shallower than the hell's bay pro i mean there's no argument you know i mean it might only be an inch or an inch and a half i don't know what it is i never measured but i know from being in both boats that it's definitely a shallow. It, it's 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 pure. I don't know what you call it. Physics, geometry, it's you name it. I mean, you know. I mean, physics. I mean, it's displacement. Yeah, it's wetted surface area. Yeah, displacement. It's all, yeah. it's all displacement. But anyway, so yeah, the aluminum skiff, carbon skiff, both made in two different shops. Correct. 
Two different crews. Two different two crews. Two different buildings. Two different buildings. Same riggers. Same riggers. So is the wait time for an aluminum and a carbon the same, or is it... Right. We're, we're just getting in production uh, of the composite skiffs. Right. So I have one leader who's trained. He knows the laminate schedules in and out. He knows my... He's built several... A lot of panels, test panels. So he, he's well-versed in what resin infusion needs to be where. Right. He knows our name. Anyway. And then our other two employees are, are new hires within two months to six months. Um, either, even though they have combined probably 30 to 40, 50 years of composite building experience. So... Two different shops. Um, our aluminum guys just know aluminum. Composite guys know composites. And then our riggers, they're rigged very similar. Same nav lights, same nav light wires. Uh, you know, so our, our carbon skiff has a little bit better nav lights in it. Um, but the same fuse panels, same wiring diagrams, things like that. Same jack plates, trim tab placements the same. Trim tabs a little different on composite skips because we build them ourselves. But um, so rigging it's pretty much the same. The only difference is there's a lot of rivets in aluminum boats versus composite boats is self-tapping screws in some scenarios. Some scenarios are rivets and then mm -hmm. bolt through, you know, so whatever. But for the most part, um, different crews building the parts, same people rigging both of them. What is the wait time? I know a lot of... So, I think it's pretty standard. It's almost like 18-month, two-year mark for most any manufacturer yeah, out we there, were, right? Yeah, we were there during, the, during COVID. We were at the 18-month mark. We're back to 9 to 10-month. Oh, that's you know, pretty good. On, on aluminum. Um, sales have been a little tougher this past, I would say, first, second quarter of the year. Um, but sales are still being made we're meeting our quotas the composite skiffs we haven't even marketed yet although we have our first dozen or so close to dozen sold um only to friend you know i wanted the first 10 to be existing customers right, or right, people yeah, yeah. that we know but uh, that's just my yeah of course or, or so but but you're you're about eight to ten months on aluminum eight to twelve months on composites just because we're getting into production that sounds in line with most other yeah. manufacturers. And at any yeah. given time, we might sell enough to be a year out. Let me just, I want to ask you a couple quick, quick questions that you can answer pretty quickly. So just a couple quick, uh, and hopefully they're quick explanation. Um, because, you know, like I said earlier, my purpose of this um, is to hopefully answer a lot of questions for people out there that, you know, have the same questions that I would and entertaining buying a new boat and for some of the people out there you know they this might be their first custom boat that they get to pick and choose what they what they actually get you know yep. so one of my questions is it's all it, it, in any boat i would get built here on out one of my questions would be what's standard and I'm I'm just I'm just gonna go straight to straight to the carbon. Mm -hmm. 
what's standard for rod tubes? Am I getting nickel and dime for forward-facing rod tubes versus mm-hmm. rear-facing rod tubes? Is it two hundred dollars a hole? What What's yeah. the deal? You know. So, talk, and this goes back to a lot of my um, people that I have a small group of Sabine customers that I have a group text with and we probably talk anywhere from daily to weekly just like our group our neighborhood right, group right. text we started that's still going like eight years later yeah. and half the people don't even live you know they live in no one states. lives here yeah right. and um the census for or the consensus for the all of our skiffs is three rod tubes on both sides at six rods very seldom do you need more than six rods let's be honest unless you have two guys or two people and a guide might have two clients never three hardly any you have three and that uh, was cute if they I meet, like that. <laughs> if they if they bring two to three rods a piece that's six rods you could go jack tarpon red fishing with six rods right. absolutely you don't even so six rods is all we offer three on each side my last one-off boat i had rod tubes facing fore and aft so on that skiff port side was faced in aft hmm. starboard was facing four nice the reason i did That's that nice. on that one-off and dirk owns it is my passenger put his rods on port side so when he got out of the uh, he they that person rode on the <clears throat> yeti that had a uh, temperance chair in it when he got up, he could grab his rods, walk to the front deck, and he, as he's walking forward, he's pulling his rod out. When he walks back, he puts his rod mm. back. Well, me being a back deck guy, because I do fish alone a lot, I would grab my rod from forward, because it was to my right, yeah. and grab it. Starboard side. So when we started making production aluminum skiffs, I made them all six aft facing, because you always fish from the front deck front deck you grab your rod as you're walking to the front deck it's pulling out of the rod tube mm-hmm. so on ours and and we made our fuel tanks they're trapezoid shaped in the bow stuff that's far forward i felt that the center gravity studies that i did i wanted my tank at a certain position a certain station forward so all of our fuel tanks are about as far forward as you can get them um i like that with a two person or even the third person sitting on a console or a side console, they're sitting on a Yeti or, or a chair or whatever. So six rod tubes, all facing rear aft. So when you pull your rod out you go to the front deck, it's there. Um, our carbon, we went above and beyond and our rod tubes are carbon fiber. Um, we're working on the exact sizes. I think the first and second skiff they were a little smaller you know inch and a quarter rod tubes we're going to go to more two inch rod tubes but so you're talking fifteen hundred dollars of rod tubes yeah but carbon fiber boat you're buying a 90 80 90 100 100 plus thousand dollar right. boat let's let's do it right so i mean okay so we get six rod tubes six rod tubes rod six holders, rod holder you know the whole not whole, fiber, whatever yeah, yeah. um Obviously, you can get a tunnel, tunnel or non-tunnel. 15-inch shaft, 20-inch shaft. So we built the bilge area to through AutoCAD, 
through 3D design, the, um, the carbon fiber skiff can handle transom bolt-ups bolt and have clearance for a 15-inch shaft tunnel, non-tunnel, or a 20-inch shaft motor tunnel, non-tunnel. We cut it down. We have a carbon fiber angled cap mold to cap the ugly part that we cut. Mm, so it's all good. finished nice. So it's versatile that way. Yeah, so that opens up the Yamaha yeah, 70. Yamaha F70 from a Tahatsu 60 yeah. short shaft. The Tahatsu 60 short shaft is our bread and butter. We have a good relationship with that company. Yeah. Texas company. They're out of Dallas area, although the, all the motors are made in Japan. We have a very good relationship with Mercury. Um, we also are starting to get into Yamaha builds, and we'll do that more. That's one reason we went to 18 foot and the width we have to handle these heavier motors. Our tunnel holes now for our versatile console boats, carbon and aluminum, a little bit bigger tunnel for the bigger prop diameter for the Mercury 60R, Yamaha F70, because of the lower unit size, they're, they're larger yep, props. Yep, yep. All that's designed in. Um, our tunnel mold for our composite is based off of our aluminum that we've, you know, done a real good job. It doesn't blow out. Y'all wrote it today. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. we're jacked up on six, trimmed out. Mine blows turns. out. I mean, it, it, blows out but i mean it still grips but you can hear it i mean i, I guarantee yeah. a lot Did of the you ever hear that today what I no 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 i didn't i was i was no 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 i was i was definitely paying attention in the turns yeah um because mine it it's weird i wouldn't call it blowout because i still it's a fine line if i kept on going it'd probably blow out but um it definitely loses water pressure and it definitely. I'll stand behind gets, our gets, tunnel design on our aluminum. I'll just say this to people: it's not going to blow out. You can make your turns. You can go forward. It has a. Uh, it's a trapezoid shaped tunnel. Uh, our composite boat. It is a. Because our our tunnel, option on our composite boat is more than aluminum, because of the insert. Of course, yeah. We have, I mean, once we insert it in, we have to clay it all in. Mm-hmm. After we shoot the gel coat and everything, there's we pull the mold, the part out of the mold. We still have to hand finish some stuff, but um, very very little hand finishing. But mm-hmm. clay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get you. Never, yeah. The tunnel's so, always going to be a little bit yeah. more. I mean, yeah. just in the actual hull. I mean, everything. You yeah. got two. You we put two bilge pumps on our carbon skips right. for each side of it. Um, standard. So there's no live there's well standard. Work. Yeah, no live well. None of our skiffs have live wells. I, I've talked to several. Everybody that asks for a live well, they want it, you know, obviously for themselves or their customers, mainly for their kids and grandkids. And if you really talk to them, people that want a live well, I ask them like, let's go, let's be honest, guys. How many how many times a month do you fish? Right. How many times a month do you throw live bait? And they all come back with, well, four or five or six. You know, your guides maybe a little more. Well, in that case, bring a portable live well. So you're not, one, paying for the plumbing, the live well fixtures and all that. And two, carrying around that weight. And live wells and tubes and pumps, 
it, it adds up. Yeah. So well, why I mean, carry yeah. that weight around when you don't need it? Right. Leave that at the dock. Um, I know that's something I, I could tell me if I'm wrong, Rob, but like you, if you were to do your skiff that you have now again, you would not have a live. Well. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd have the live well, but I just might have it plumb. But let's or move on. Yeah, let's yeah. move on too. So gel coat. Single colors only? Are you doing two tones? We can do two tones. Is that tones. extra? Obviously, two tone yeah. is extra. 100% extra. Um, depending on the color you pick, because we're not going to get into it in this podcast. We might within a year or two. But because of the type of gel coats we're using for epoxy, um, we are fully epoxy right now with, with our composite boats, resin infused. Um, the gel coats or colors are limited. But we so you have, have a, you have, you have colors, a, but you're you only say, gonna, hey. you're only going to get six or four colors standard. Now we can okay. two tone it with all grid. We can two tone whatever you want, but that's what's crazy with our aluminum skiffs is we're using all grip. You can come up with. I have customers bring a cup or a bag or a shirt and, match and say, and we can color match it. Where with this epoxy or with this um, gel coats that we're using. It's not as easy. There's minimum quantities. So there's about six colors they get to choose from, give or take, which is covers them all, right? You, you guys offer yeah. yellow yet? Never. <laughs> never. That's a, that's, it, it's a joke, but we'll, we'll never paint a boat banana yellow right. or fighting lady yellow, which is a popular color back in the yeah, day. Yeah, so um, the Poland platform. Sorry, Nick. The Poland platform, is the, is the backrest, is that standard or is that extra? on that's all extra extra but yeah I it's extra i mean it's extra on any boat any boat, any boat. i was just yeah. curious i'm trying to figure out right what for you the, got standard and what's so not for standard the carbon skiff because of our aluminum boats i would say nine i'd say right now 99 percent of our aluminum skiffs if they get a, a console boat it has a backrest people come accustomed with it they love yeah, it the step it's is money dude right and then our composite boat we have a nice carbon fiber step, lighter tubing because of vibrations and stuff. Um, I will a, tell you that vibration thing is a serious. Uh, if I understand what you're talking about, you're talking about the vibration of the backrest as you're leaning against any it. Any part of the composite boat. Dang, I will tell you Nothing. what. When when I lean against a backrest and it, it's like that horrible, <laughs> itchy, like uncomfortable. I don't know. I'd rather, I know, I want it to be there so that I know that I have the safety of being as an angler, mm-hmm. being able to lean against it. But it's comfortable. I'd rather not. When it's just like, you know, that vibration. What's what a day on the boat? Did oh. y'all feel the vibration? Well, I was at yeah. front, so I can't No, I say. did not feel any vibration. Yeah, it is but it's I will, a solid rig. All I can tell you, and I don't. You know, like I've said before, I don't, I don't know skiffs like y'all do, but that boat floated in a way that I felt like we were hydroplaning, <laughs> and it was absolutely elegant. Yeah, I like that word, elegant. Yeah, you know, and like it felt like that to me. I thought, well, gosh, I, I mean, this was something else. So I got to, I got to really sit there and take it in and realize, my 
goodness. I think that what I'm feeling right now and what I'm experiencing is likely what you were trying to do, Brian, because I, I very much was cognizant of the fact that I was floating over the water. Yeah. And, it, and it was quite, I mean, it was really lovely. <laughs> so yeah. I, in my inexperience, you know, boatingness, I, that was something else. Yeah. yeah. The difference in material, I mean, carbon's so much stronger, tensile strength. We talked about this earlier, and there's only so much you can do with aluminum. Um, our aluminum boats, they're pushing 700 pounds. Our Versalite's around 650. And we could make a, we could make those boats lighter. Um, we've had in the past. Lighter plate gets more... Um, what's the word but it, it gets more warping in it so a lot of people mm. don't like it it's harder for our guys to work with because it walks mm. um one part of our aluminum boat building and my guys are just they're magical they're some of the hardest working plate aluminum magicians out there that they figured out how to build these boats and if y'all if y'all ever dealt with aluminum it runs it walks on you as you weld it so they we have all figured out how to build these boats to get around that um yeah you ever put a, you ever put an aluminum pan in an oven yeah it, it expands <laughs> it expands with uh, heat so yeah. there's a lot of boats out there trying to get built like us right now and they're fighting that they're mm-hmm. and i've seen them built with their instagram and they're gonna figure it out and it's it's they're not doing it well i would they're, say they're well a lot of them are going about it the wrong way but anyway i'm, I'm me, gonna get away from that but, yeah but my point to that is our aluminum guys know what they're doing um they're a little bit heavier because we've been around we've seen what it takes to not fall apart right and our composite skiffs are very similar um we're building a, a carbon fiber boat that in our panels we can't go any lighter our corners and our connections super strong super good tolerances i mean we're it's a full epoxy compatible system where um we're infusing with epoxy we're bonding with epoxy we when our deck bonds into our hole we don't have inches or centimeters or you know quarter inch to fill i mean we're talking minute gaps mm-hmm. so your margins of error are quite small is what you're saying and margins of error means weight so when we go to bond our stringer grid into our hull it's what it's sometimes Fits. we have to add spacers so we get the tolerance that our epoxy reps tell us we need because our our, our tolerances are so good yeah um we took 2d to, to, to 3d five axis routered every part except our cockpit and our front storage bulkhead and floor but even those parts fit so good that yeah i mean when we bond these together we're not throwing a bunch of putty in this boat it is what we need Mm -hmm. Um, and that's because of your engineering background which i we didn't touch on but that's really 
decades in the making of how you came to what you are now. Yeah. And that's one going back to, you know, even COVID, you know, when we first started our five axis routering on our plugs, we were given a six month timeline. You'll have these molds in six months. And it took 18 to 24 months because of labor force and whatever. Um, but during that time, we I've went to so many vendors and reached out and the boat we're building, quite frankly, is about the best I can do composite wise. A little heartbreaking on my end because you're I'm at a position in my career where I don't want to say I built the best boat I built, but I might have built the best boat I've built. Hell yeah. And, you know, we're trying to make, we're going to make new designs. So about this best boat you built, I just have these questions that I think everyone else is either, they either ordered a boat from you and they didn't ask this question because they don't care, or... Not that they don't they care, already they know. Don't know. They, they, they know the answer. <laughs> but my question is, too, you know, obviously it comes with two free cup holders. They get those mm-hmm. in the floor. Right. Okay, that was amazing. <laughs> that, yeah. That's other, another that Jake Haddock and a few other I of our um, Sabine ambassadors, or um, I wouldn't call them ambassadors, but our, our core group of uh, advisors wanted those cup holders in the floor. Yeah, it's I, money. What my idea? It's what money. my idea? I've it's never money. seen that. But, okay, <laughs> so... Obviously, everyone should know. If you want an aluminum cup holder or whatever kind of cup holder you want, it's going to be extra. They're going to drill a hole, put it in there. It's extra. It's an um, option in our aluminum boats. It's an option. Um, on the carbon we're in now, it has gas shocks in the... Doors. The yeah. doors that's, and the hatches. That's standard, standard. on our aluminum also. Standard. That's good to gas know. Shocks. That we, don't, we started doing the spring catches. In spring catches, it doesn't take one guy to kill it they pull it instead of pushing it right mm-hmm. so our all of our doors moving forward even our aluminum boats have gas shots and locking hatches is standard or locking is hatches are standard on a composite boat. composite yeah this is all composite um i noticed on the door handle to the center console that was carbon fiber what are the, what are the other hinges are they piano hinges standard or what's no, the deal they're uh jim lux products jim lux. so jim lux is standard on all our composite boats our, our aluminum boats we went back to welded piano hinges for corrosion resistance mm-hmm. um gym lux uh stainless are an option on our aluminum boats but on our composite boats we use gym luck hinges we don't use the friction hinges i was thinking about doing friction hinges for the composite boats. yeah some people i i still get mixed reviews on those so the mixed reviews the reason we don't do um, friction hinges on composite boats is they will creep over time if you don't lubricate them so a few of my customers have told me let's opt out on that right now let's do the gas shocks um, and get rid of the friction you know don't even do friction hinges unless someone asks for it but we, then, we Jim Lux does make a friction hinge that will fit in our mold if you want that but we have the gas shocks so they're easy to open they're lightweight all of all of our on a carbon boat i mean our front deck hit lid i think it's like 12 pounds it's the rear one's 15 or whatever it's not much but it's a big, big it's a big door yeah and it's a big tub i mean our our rear storage 
on our composite boat is a tub but it also acts as a bulkhead so on our carbon boat every storage whether it's every storage tub for our rear storage and even our bow floor slash bulkhead everything is structured our rear storage attaches to the stringer grid all the way it's it's solid so everything everything on that carbon boat that is structure is storage storage is structure and that's how you deplete weight deplete resin deplete you know everything we thought of other than just not doing a storage and you throw your stuff in the rear bilge area you know we didn't want to do that so um yeah that that's I just want everybody to know that the carbon boat there's not a single part in that boat except maybe the rod holder and the rod tubes even though the rod tubes do access structure everything on that boat is not only usable to store your rods to hold the gas tank in place but it's also a structure and that's how you deplete weight mm -hmm. deplete materials things like that so um, I do believe there's not a thing, single thing that I could take away to take weight away and not have a strong boat and have storage in certain areas for our customers and things like that. Um, that makes sense. Hard to yeah, describe. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, makes sense to me. Standard V Marine push pull holder. Yeah. What do they call that? I know it's like a classic, but I don't know what they call we that. We call it the classic. Um, I love you, Stiffy guys. Stiffy. Bass, yeah. I like that style. I like that style. style. I like the V-Marine better. They have a they have a better um, little bulkhead on it. Um, I don't know what you want to call it, but it, it clips a, a push-pull better. Um, but, yeah, classic push-pull holders are standard. You can get the spools if you want, whatever brand. We have standard placement for it for your push pull, not to bend too much, but right. Bend you know, enough. I mean, even even every push pull holder gets bolted through in tension, and in the backside that's in compression of your push pull holder is screwed. So I mean, even we're we're thinking that part out. So we make sure that a composite can hold stuff in tension better than it can compression. So. Um, high density everywhere we need for the put you know for the polling platform um, if you have a cage casting platform up front your front feet are going to be held together in high density with a set screw so it doesn't vibrate around um, there's high density if you want a, a trolling motor on the bow there's high density where we're gonna or there's low density or no where we're gonna bolt through but if we're gonna drill and tap there's a high density uh, G10 that's infused into the hole so just I want everybody to know that I've thought it through where there is where there needs to be high density we have it where it's low density and not needed you're going to get the lightest panel that we can mm -hmm. that we feel comfortable making to hold to hold it um, we've interviewed and I, I want to mention his name he gave me permission but I've interviewed Tom Gordon because he's rebuilt so many brands of skiffs. And I was like, I, one of the times I pulled, uh, went down to visit uh, 
my plug manufacturer who was in Florida because no one in Texas had a five axis router that was boat savvy um, and I sat down with Mr. Gordon and you know talked to him of where he's seen failures in previous gifts and how we cannot have those failures in our boat so we're extra laminate in that air you know some of those areas and things like that so I've interviewed I've seen 20 30 years worth of skiffs I've tried to negate all of those issues out of this because the last thing I want to do is have warranty and the the warranty that we've had on our aluminum boats is so minute that you know hadn't hurt the company you know, we don't have a bunch of failures coming back, things like that. So, and I don't know if we said it, but <clears throat> but it's a fifteen gallon tank standard. Right now, all of our skiffs have fifteen gallon fuel tanks. Versalite, versatiles, carbons. It's the same fuel tank for our carbons. We just modify where our fuel intake is um, for the molded carbon. Um, but pretty soon, we'll have that dialed in. Um, so yeah, it's so fifteen gallons on a sixty to seventy horse boat that you're getting, you know, wide open on a sixty, you're getting seven mile per gallon. Same way with the six Mercury sixty R F seventy. So seven mile per gallon on a fifty got fifteen gallon tank, and if you pull off the throttle and you're getting miles. Yeah, you're getting you know, at five thousand the fifty two hundred RPMs you're getting ten mile per gallon. So you're a hundred, hundred fifty mile range. Yeah. So plenty of range. Um, fuel tank up front, far as we can get it. Some of our skiffs might run a little level, you know, flat because of that. But in my opinion, you're running a skiff thirty minutes to an hour a day max. The rest of the time you're pulling. Mm-hmm. So let's let's set the skiff up for pulling. Let's set the skiff up for ninety percent of your day. And the rest of the time, we'll deal with that with trim tabs and jack plates and things like that. It's funny you mentioned trim tabs. It's kind of hard to uh, walk up to that boat and uh, not notice those trim tabs. The little funny so, little trim tabs you got going on there. So that's something I've been, I've thought about for the past fifteen to twenty years, and this company has taken me to composites. We've got a patent pending. A patent attorney did a good research on buoyant trim tabs. Um, we're working. We already have them in play. Uh, the patent has been filed for buoyant trim tabs. Um, if it's been done, congratulations to you. We don't know about it, but it, I don't know that it's ever been done. Um, so we have trim tabs on our composite boat only. It will not be offered on the aluminum skiffs. But the composite boat's trim tabs negates the not only the weight of the trim tab, which is stainless steel. There are some aluminum trim tabs out there, but 99% of your trim tabs are stainless steel. So not only does it negate the stainless steel weight, it also is buoyant enough to float the actuator, and if not all, a majority of the hardware to bolt it on. So you're negating 15 to 20 pounds of trim tab weight which takes a 60R Mercury Makes from, it a from 265 to 240 something. It takes a Yamaha of 70 to 230 yeah. pounds. It takes a Suzuki from 250 to 
from 217 to 200 pounds. It takes a Tahatsu from 210 to less than 200 you know and i I, you know i truly believe you know even though like we you know we talked chris morjohn a a while ago and i said i said does it matter you know if i made used carbon fiber trim tabs on my boat and he said no not really but i i'm I'm of the other thinking that every pound matters you know i mean yeah if, if, if i can lighten the rear end by 10 15 pounds that's substantial and that's that's just trim tabs yeah we're working on a calf plate that might take mm, a calf nice. plate from 15 to 20 pounds to five pounds, potentially buoyant underwater. So I'm not a, I don't like calf plates, but there's a, there's a need for them here and there, <clears throat> especially for guides who, um, some people who run super shallow water, their prop might last 15 or 50 to 70 hours. And if I can get a, calf plate and their prop lasts 50 to 100 hours well i've saved them uh, annually two thousand dollars that's why my prop, props don't last whatever is that why you got four is it because of the <laughs> cavitation no it's it's because they're eating up in sand, sand clay and whatever you know and that's those type of people that have to get out and get home you know we're not i don't like I don't like customers that have to eat up the bottom because, you know, it destroys seagrass or mm-hmm. potentially destroys seagrass. Right. A lot of it, they're just doing it in mud and sand. But, um, but if I can get them another 50 to 100 hours out of their prop and they're running 500, 800 hours trips a year, well, then I can potentially put that money back in their pocket. Yeah. So, and that's, that's the one thing. Speaking of props, you you know, it's always been a funny, uh, game you play on Instagram where you always hide the props. Um, do you, are you guys, uh, is that, what are you guys throwing on this composite skiff here? I'm glad you brought that up. So the joke with us hiding the prop, it started with this mud prop that we found through a mud boat motor manufacturing company. That was made in Wisconsin, Michigan, Detroit. It doesn't matter where. It wasn't made in Texas. And a lot of reps out there from other boat manufacturers wanted to know what prop we were using because the performance was there. Um, So I I didn't want to tell them because I'm super secret. It's our performance. And um, it's always covered that prop. Since then, we've stopped using that prop. Um, Corey has stepped up and take over, took over Bauman Propellers once his dad left and um, come to us. And, and Corey will drop what he's doing to put me and Sabine, you know, when I need to have something right, tweaked, right. He, he steps in and, and makes it happen. So we've, I will say we've partnered with Bauman, but Corey is a, a very successful component to our boats. And, um, right now he's the main proprietor of our props i mean we have a certain blade he uses he has this everything tweaked out to to get our boats to to perform how they do and uh and the other manufacturers make can make props but we always have to have a modified more cup absolutely whatever and i do want people to know that every boat that we put out i test run um 
I try to get the prop tweaked. You know, we don't always have the time, but we try to get these props 80 to 95 percent is what I call them. It's either going to be majority of whole shot because we're tunnel hole, shallow water boats. But Corey works with us, gets us those props. If I need one tweaked a little bit, he makes it happen. He's close. He's not super close, but he's 30, 45 minutes away from where we fabricate and rig. So, um, Which is, I mean, the little bit I have listened and learned, and correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but that's absolutely, it seems key to the Texas skiffs. For like, sure. You know, like if you're in, you know, Florida. Oh, open water props are out like there. That, like you can, what I've heard, you just, you buy those off the shelf. It doesn't yeah. matter. But here to get the right prop dialed in for what we're doing here in Texas is critical. And Rob, Rob understands the amount of work it takes. No, I know. And it, there's a lot to it. So there's a price to it, but we feel we're fair. Corey's fair to us. Um, nothing is ever perfect because every boat is rigged different. Every customer weighs a yeah. different way. Power pole you know? and jack plates and yeah, you name it, it all adds up. We get and these props to them close, or sometimes we're straight on money. And uh, our customers really appreciate it. They appreciate the time that we yeah. take. and Put fuel in it and go. That's yeah, the way, the you know, part. the way it should be, you know. We do. If you're in Texas, we'll transfer the title. We'll put your TX numbers on. Texas customers, 100% of Texas customers get their boat, and all they have to put in is their safety gear, and they go. We'll put their fire extinguisher in. We'll put their TX numbers on. We'll put their registration numbers on for them, all of that. I mean, it's a price, but it's small. It's right. just, the, I mean, it's just cutting vinyl right but we'll do that for them so they don't have to take that half a day off or a full day off to go to their boat register right and they get they're out the door and they go fishing um turnkey you know yeah um the the florida and out-of-state guys with texas it's you know texas you don't if it leaves within 15 days of purchase which we do not we wait to title it or we wait to do their msos right. within 15 days they pick their boat up and they leave they don't have to pay texas taxes they pay their state taxes and yeah, when they, get they back do their home. own registrations and yeah have everything yep. ready for them yeah that's cool and, and you i that what's crazy is i do all that i go to parks and wildlife i do the i do that I'm the owner of the company and I'm <laughs> registering their boats for them. We're, right. you know, we're that small is my right. point. You know, we're not some big bulk. I don't have this admin and super support group. You're that so. small, but you're also that dedicated. Right. And I think that's what, what that, I mean, that to me is telling across the board. Like you watch every single part yeah. of yeah. what's happening with your with your boats and when you call the sabine customer line at seven or nine o'clock p.m i'm the guy that either answers or don't answers (laughs) you know and i try to tell my customers call me anytime seven to seven if it's nine o'clock respect my time 
but you still might get a text back. Mm-hmm. So be ready. You want to have that conversation ten o'clock <laughs> on on a Saturday? <laughs> I'll have it. You know, yeah. and I'm that type of guy. I'll just listen to my guys. I've I've learned. I wish Kayla was still here. She Me too. wasn't feeling good, but yeah. But um, I've learned to start cutting my phone off. I might have to get to a second work phone, but mm-hmm. just so I can have family time. But I've lived it. I still live it. And um, I had a customer today from four states over who just enjoys dealing with the owner, mm-hmm. you know, and they appreciate that. Yeah, owner's touch is always nice. I mean, that way, you know, you're there's you can't go higher than the owner you know yeah. i mean it's just kind of where the, the buck stops but uh um, you know that with your business yeah um so i mean you kind of touched on it earlier ballpark 90 plus the carbon skiffs are that you can get one in the 80s but um i would say 80s to 120 because GPSs these days can be fifteen hundred to five grand. You can put a power pole trolling motor on for five grand. You can get AGM batteries for three hundred dollars. You can get lithium for three grand. Power poles are two thousand. You know, so you yeah, can. Add, I think that's what a I think that's what a lot of people. Controls. I think that's where a lot of people that aren't in. I don't know what what the right way. A lot of people just don't realize the little things that add up over time. So you might have a boat, and I'm not saying your boat's this, but you might have a boat that base price, let's just say, eighty thousand. But after um, you got to have every single thing. You can have four options. You can be thirty thousand dollars in accessories. And you can add. 20 to 30,000 really yeah. quick. Yeah, because I mean, I haven't priced a power pole, but they're not free. Yeah. Couple grand, three grand. Well, you add you add a F70 from a, from a Tahatsu. Well, there goes several thousand. You know, you. You upgrade you, to a Bob's. Is yeah. Bob's standard on your. Uh, no. Bob's <clears> a little so, water pickup or uh, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, I like Bob's, but um, a power pole, you know. Trolling motors, batteries. You want lights, you want USB, yeah. you want cup holders, you want a, a grab bar. Lean, lean and bar on the casting. Yeah, I mean, it all, all those little things, you know. One thing I will say on the carbon, talking trailers, mm-hmm. our McLean trailer is standard like five grand. And you can add breakaway tongues and things like that to increase the price. For the carbon, we went the Mare Trail. Mm-hmm. Standard steps on the Mare Trail, standard walkboard. Standard, the spare comes with a third hub. Nice. So you can change your hub on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. The only option we offer on that trailer is polished stainless steel fenders because it comes standard with, with bare aluminum fenders or a blackout package. Other than that, it's fully loaded. You're talking an eight to $10,000 trailer when your aluminum skiff is 5000 Right. Dang. So that's just, that's <laughs> twice the money, you know, just in trailer. But we feel the carbon customer deserves to start. Yeah. Balls out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And that's where um, our yacht finished customers, you know, they just come to us. They just want that. You know, they expect that. Mm-hmm. When you're going to spend eighty to $90,000, you're going to get a trailer that just shoves off and whatever. And we can do that with our aluminum boats. But sometimes you outgrow your market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have to, as a businessman, you have to step back and go, all right. Because I have some of my aluminum customers, well, like, why don't you do gas shocks, Brian? Why, why are you doing these spring shocks? Well, we kind of outgrew that, and now we're doing spring shocks. Well, why, why are you doing a six-pin fuse panel just offered 12 pin well now we went to 12 pin so it's just mm-hmm. things evolved you got to be careful business wise especially with the aluminum boats you'll outgrow your market you know mm-hmm. and i mean our cheapest aluminum boat right now is upper 40s it used to be upper 20s and three years ago and brian you don't have you don't have to answer this but i'm just curious like i'm trying i'm trying trying to compare it to like the luxury vehicle market what are the like three most important upgrades that would serve me best if I were buying your skiff? You, personally? Well, no, just like your your Texas your Texas skiff buyer. So on the aluminum boats? No, 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 carbon skiff. Carbon, sorry, okay. So. I would say on the carbon, if you're going to go Port O'Connor South, tunnel hole, get the tunnel insert and some money to mold it up and get it, the mold prepped for it. Um, our carbons, all they all come with digital, you know, uh, digital gauges and things like that. So you got to pick your console. We have three console layouts, center console. We have our stand-up side console which is the same height as our center console. And you lose three rod holders with your no. side console, or how do you do that? Well, same same rod holders. They're just a little shorter. So the rod has to... Y'all, oh. y'all, our side, any side console boat, right. your rods have to bend a little more. Right, right. Right, it's just... And then our third console is a flat console, which is like, weighs like five pounds. So our center console, carbon console, weighs like 20 with gel coat. Uh, before gel coat, it was like 15 pounds or whatever. So, you, I don't know, whatever. Might be less than 20 pounds. But anyway, um, so three different type of consoles. Um, once you pick your console layout, you don't really have many options as far as layout. Your, your front deck is set. Your rear deck is set. So, it's either tunnel non-tunnel. Pick your motor of choice. Personally, I'm going to run the Tatsu because it's lighter weight. Mm-hmm. If you're a Yamaha guy, so be it. We'll put a Yamaha on it. 60, 70, 50, whatever you want. Um, if you're a Mercury guy, we'll put a 60R on it. So 60R and Mercury's, they just weigh, they just cost around three to $3,500 more. It just is what it is. I don't set those mm-hmm. prices. Um, so it's either tunnel, non-tunnel, pick your motor pick your console layout and then from there it's do you want a backrest or not do you want a power pole things like that you know. mm-hmm. so pretty much your whole yeah i think the, the standard i think the standard upgrades that most people want nowadays are the step up backrest i think that's um key. yeah <laughs> it is nice it is really nice, nice. Owen, i mean, Owen, oh, poor, I mean poor owen's that. been running a tiller boat for three years right 
he's running. And he looks cool doing it. Two to three hundred <laughs> trips a year. He's probably yeah. mid two hundreds. He's running a lot. He's yeah. holding on to that tiller arm. Oh, got tiller torque. And nope. he told me his first week of running the carbon. Oh my god. He's like, I've never been I've never went home and been so relaxed. And it wasn't because of pushing it. Obviously it's lighter, right. it's easier. Yeah. But he gets to sit down. And he gets to run yeah. a freaking he gets to run a hydraulic mm-hmm. steering. Hydraulic steering standard. Yeah. Um so really, I mean, that's your major your major ones that are gonna take you from relaxing tiller boat to you know right now our carbon boats are all console yes we will come out with a tiller version. i didn't pay attention well, today where's oh. your uh, jack plate switch on that boat so we're running racing controls on these first three so it's boats. on the it's on the thumb thumb and thumb. index finger they're latham they're yeah, 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 25 2200 controls yep um your standard ones you don't get that upgrade you run standard Yamaha. You run standard Tahatsu. You're not doing the Tahatsus. Yeah, you will. I mean yeah. the the two button on the Tahatsu. They dis, they don't. Oh really? They, they don't anymore. Oh, so dang. you have to run the blinker style. So on Tahatsu, you have to run blinker style. Yamaha number four is getting a Yamaha F70, no tunnel. You know he's a Lake Charles guy. He'll take this to Alabama to uh, fish triple tail and some other things that I can't talk about over this podcast. But mm-hmm. he'll catch he'll catch a target. But um, he'll get blinker style switch jack plate because his Yamaha, which he opted for Yamaha standard, only has tilt trim on, on the, the thumb. Control. Yeah. yeah. So he'll get blinker style. So blinker, blinker style jack plates are now standard. That's ingrated in your in- integrated in your jack plate cost. Man, too bad you can't find a pile of those Tahatsu controls, dude. Yeah, they're good. So I love mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Honda made those. Uh, for Tahatsu and themselves. But. So, Brian, what I, what I think I'm hearing from you is that your basic, although it's not basic, it was decades in the making, how your carbon fiber skiff comes stock, you, there's just a few, a few minor upgrades if you want to make it a little bit more but otherwise it's the Cadillac you're, it's the creme de la creme yeah though. you're good to go yeah. as it is and all those other pieces make it a little bit maybe slightly more comfortable or what have you if you're comparing it to other things or whatever it is that you know you talk about your you know the 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 yacht <laughs> yacht finish yacht finish yeah. but as it is it sounds Pretty loaded. Yeah. So one of a lot of our advisory board, we've talked about it and we've all come to the conclusion that if we're going to sell an 85 to $120,000 boat, the standard options are all there. Like we're all in. Right. Yeah. And I get it. We can't all afford that. Um, Nobody wants to buy a Corvette with roll-down windows. The worst, exactly. The worst part about building these boats is if if I weren't building them, I couldn't afford them. I could when I worked for Kinder Morgan. I worked for my or my past employers, my past two employers, I could. So I started this business because I couldn't afford 
the boats, the boats <laughs> that were on the market. Right, yeah, but let's be. Let's. Uh, so I started as a one-off homemade builder, and I just want to cut you off just for one second because let's be honest here. Let's say your boat's ninety to hundred thousand dollars. That's a lot of money, but in reality, it's only twenty to thirty percent more than the mean market, right? Right. I mean, most. I don't care where you go. You go buy a. Maverick, Hell's Bay, Chittum, probably all Chittum's is probably a little bit more up there, but your Maverick, Hell's Bay, they're going to be in that 70 plus range, brand new, you know? That's where. And, or more, no, you know? 100%. That's where our, our advisory board and I, we come to conclusion was we're already, br- we're already bringing to the market a high end aluminum skin. That's, I mean, what other aluminum boat costs this much in right. this price range? Um, with its features, with its performance to back it up. Yes, that's a big so one. So let's bring a composite boat into the industry and let's don't skimp on AYZ parts, you know, epoxy, carbon fiber, yeah, let's put a real steering wheel on there. Let's yeah. get let's do the real good and then stuff, let's, you know. Let's make it digital, you know, digital gauges, the throttles you want, things like that. So yeah. We've we've put together a boat that unfortunately a lot of people can't afford, myself included. So I'm with you boys that, that can't do it. But let's put together something that is out there. You know, so I, I don't know how to say that. Sounds, no, I mean, it sounds a little uppity. No, it's not uppity. I mean, it's. It, I mean, anybody who's been in the boat market for a little while. I, I mean, I don't know. This is the last time you priced a bay boat, but a generic bay boat, probably with the two twenty five, because they can get away with it. Going to be eighty thousand dollars. You know, eighty to one hundred twenty. Well, but let's 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 roll back to two thousand and eight. When I paid eighty thousand dollars for my lake and bay, yeah. people thought that was nuts. Yeah. That's normal now in the bay boat world. You know, in the bay boat world, they're, I mean, you know, you can spend one hundred fifty grand on a bay boat. Right. So, so it's all relative, I think, as far as. Right, and we and we could dumb down the materials, and I I won't say it dumb downing, but we. That's probably. Um, no, no, you're I, fine. I, I'm sorry. If, you know, you cheap and. We, we, could, we could dumb down the materials, right? And I've talked to some other reps or some other skiff manufacturers out there that build different. They build fiberglass. They build a hybrid. They build carbon. My guys need to be trained on one composite layout, and they will master that. Right. If I had to throw three composite designs in, they could potentially get confused. Mm-hmm. Well, when fiberglass, I do this many, yeah, and carbon, yeah. I do this many, because there's the carbon's so thin. There's some places we add twelve to fifteen layers, ten minimum, and uh, that's where the labor comes in. You know, where if this was a fiberglass boat, because of thickness of material, I might only add three to four layers. Well, I'm adding eight to ten to twelve layers, and people don't realize that. They say, "Oh, carbon's only X amount more." per yard or per weight or whatever but we might on a curve or a connection i might still have to get eighth inch or more thickness 
And my guys are sitting there laying 12 layers down mm-hmm. instead of three or four or five. Yeah. So there's there's labor involved. There's cost of materials. I mean, dude, the carbon is just oof, three, four, five, six thousand dollars a roll. In a, I'm not going to say how many goes into each boat, but <laughs> the price is there. You know, right. we're not no, we're not getting rich off this, you know, venture. But um, we decided as a group. And I, Kayla and I decided as a company that this carbon boat is going to be it. It's going to be that one that the guys in Texas, the guys in Southwest Louisiana, and a few in Florida and the East Coast that want to go shallow, this is this is your boat. It's going to be that one that Dirk buys and spends his money on. Mm-hmm. You know, so we could have um, easily pulled back on a few systems and made it more attainable or more affordable but we decided to just push that envelope and uh, well, we're, we're building less quantity and more quality full infusion I mean from the bilge door that weighs two pounds if even that full infused and kudos to you, Brian, because I, I know we didn't even get into the nitty-gritty of all the components and every bit that this boat took because that would that would take days, weeks, months to re- truly dive deep into because, mm-hmm. I mean, the little bit of years that I've known you and Kayla and the blood and sweat and tears and time that y'all have spent on this and the perfection until you are ready to bring this boat to market i mean i watched you (laughs) and that was something else and you know, I I can only. Imagine. I know it's like watching paint dry. I'm like, damn, Brian, shit has yeah, been ten months, man. Yeah, it was a. There were times when Owen and I had it out. You know, when's my boat gonna be ready? And this, I'm ready for it. And and we both sat back and look. I was at his house the other day, and he's like, "How many years? How many years did this carbon take off your life?" <laughs> mm. Right. And you just you sat back. Mm-hmm. Just think about it, and just you know, it's just—I don't know—it's just um, having the people have faith in you, and I don't know. It's just—it's—it's it's working out. It's, it's a dream come true yeah, for you, man. You know, it's, it's a passion project, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, ever since I've known you, you, ran your own boat. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's, so. it's been. It's been a good ride. Um, everything is happening for a reason. The timing has never been better. So, you year. know, it's one of those things, man. When you you know you sit back, and if you knew what was going on, you were along for the ride, and you know know how long it took and knew what it took. Um, and then there's people that don't know what's going on they just see a product and they're like oh wow this is neat you know how you know they don't realize the research the blood the sweat the fuck-ups the stress the whole nine yards in in the the wonder the 
to cross your fingers. You hope that you pop the first mold and yeah, it doesn't just, fall apart. You know, yeah. I mean, the whole the whole anxiety, the 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 labor of love you put into it. The anxiety and, and all that is um, it's I mean it's real. It's, it's there was a year where I threw up every morning. I would drive to work and throw one up. I mean, I just have an anxious stomach, so I would throw up before I got my coffee in the morning here in Bayou Vista. I would drive to work and gag, you know, just whatever. But my customers saw that in me, and they all sat back and enjoyed the ride, and now they're able to drive the boat and just, like, Brian, this is it's the best boat you built today, mm-hmm. you know. And y'all got to ride on it. No, I, yeah. I think, I think Owen's oh boat, from the <laughs> even from the first boat, it's it's the best boat I've ever built. And um, you know, I'm glad he gets to get it. I can't wait for second and third one and fourth and fifth, because they're all gonna it's gonna be just as good or better, setting up. And it's um, it's been a long journey. I mean, we can't even go. We didn't even have time to go into previous builds mm-hmm. and. Kayla and I working late nights on homemade boats, running them for three or four years, cutting them up with a chainsaw, just right. to figure out where they've had issues or if they had issues. And, you know, it's it's crazy. It's crazy where we've been. It's crazy where we've come yeah. from. It's crazy yeah, how I we mean, got here. And super proud company, of you as a friend, for the sure. The company's strong. You know, the, the backlog for aluminum boats is strong. Our, our composite boats I mean just the people we've had step up haven't even seen them perform and they're just like mm-hmm. I, I want it Brian I, I want it to be part of this and I want you to see you succeed you know mm-hmm. yeah well because people believe in you and I get yeah. it you know like I get to see your passion and your education and your dedication mm-hmm. and your research yeah which is deeper, I think, than most any of us can even understand. I mean, you shared a little bit with me of, like, you know, the things that you've done and how deep you have dove to try and understand how you're going to build the absolute best boat out there. And and here you are. And I, I'm, I, I feel very honored and grateful to even have a small part in it because I mean my gosh I have really no place in any of this but yeah. it's really what well, a demo y'all today yeah. to demo y'all I mean yeah. we went out in our home waters behind our house our backyard almost stuck a fish we had one follow it ate at the I grass got that on video yeah. <laughs> and you know they have Rob pulled this boat yeah. and just to look back and you know I'm like Rob how it feel how's it feel How's it feeling of the wind? You know, is it drifting on you? Is the bow coming around? And um, I don't know. It's 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 great. It's great to um, mm-hmm. yeah. The it's it's good to see kind of where we've been. Absolutely, man. And I didn't I didn't just step into this. It's not something that you know I've been playing with for five mm-hmm. years. I've been I tell people for the past before I met Kaylor, so I'm, I'm 44, so this started about year 23, 22 of my life. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm over 20 years into this, and I've thought about skiffs almost every day of my life, mm-hmm. which is good or bad. Right. But you think about every aspect and building this boat and seeing Owen's reaction. And I keep coming back to him only because he's he's seen the aluminum part. He's built it all, or he's ran a bunch of them from them. He's ran it almost every style we've, we've built. But seeing someone like that take what we've had in the past to run this newer boat and see him and his clients just step up and be like, Brian, this is this is it. You know, you've you've, yeah. you've done everything you've told me you were gonna do. So I don't know. It's it's been a good it's been a good ride and we're gonna continue putting them out. We have goals to build a tiller version, carbon, to match the Versalite aluminum. Hmm. Um, but that's a year or two down the road. I need more shop space and that's a whole nother logistics issue. So I, I, gotta, I have to ask you, but I mean who who is the tiller running client of a carbon fiber? So those those guys are gonna be and I have several of them, they just they want a simplistic boat. They're not worried about beating it up in oyster. They're not worried about limestone rocks and coral and all that. So the tiller version, when or if we come out, or say if, I would just say when we come out with it. They're going to be the guys that want the super lightweight. Bare bones, super bare light. Bones, yeah. But yeah. it's not going really? to be a 30-horsepower boat. It's going right. to be a 40, 50-horsepower tiller boat. Carries a load. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if they want to duck hunt in non-structured water, right? No, I, I get it. I mean, I understand guys, it. Things 100%, like that. They're going to yeah. run it. You know, they can run yeah. a 60, 60, 40 jet. They can run a fifty tiller. Um, that's the guys we're going after. Huh. It's going to be a sub. You know, it's going to be around three hundred, right? Three fifty pounds. Yeah. You know, won't probably that boat might not have a floor in it. It might be a molded, you know. Yeah, something crazy, so, right? Yeah, you can do so it'll be like a, that'll be like a small run of what you're gonna do. That's no, custom, you know. Custom. I mean, I was, it, I'm just a, trying to imagine. It'll I'm be like, a 18, who wants to? Seventeen <laughs> who wants and a half. To spend that much money? Well, quite I mean, frankly, a tiller boat. You, and you think get, we can and stand in with the tiller? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Tell me, Brian. Well, babe, I Carbon think carbon fiber tiller. You're gonna still yeah. be fifty, sixty thousand dollar range. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, oh, okay. Yeah, you're yeah. not gonna be a hundred. Oh, okay. I yeah. was like, who's gonna spend? I don't know. I'm just trying to understand it. You know, from a I mean, I don't, I don't know the exact breakdown, but you know, you take a three thousand dollar console, a thousand dollars for the controls. You take, you know, just the labor to put it all together. Yeah. I mean, you, with a tiller, all you do is bolt it on and hook it up to a gas tank and battery. Yeah, you're talking and that's it, you know, six, I mean, seven, eight part boat going yeah. into a three to four or five part boat yeah okay well that's i think that's really important information for people that yeah. might say you know what i might want a tiller yeah. and i might want a carbon fiber well right I, now guys y'all don't want the tiller carbon boat because i don't want y'all point. to hold back on it <laughs> <laughs> it's two years down the line get yeah a, yeah get a console or a yeah. but you know it's we have i would say out of our first 10 carbon console boats 50 percent of them own an aluminum skip from us yeah they have both of them they have the fine you know they probably own three to four to five six boats anyway 
bay boats, the ski boats, the whatever, offshore mm-hmm. boats. So, but there are some that want the aluminum. I have several customers that want, they have the aluminum boat for their hardcore pushing the envelope, but they want a carbon boat for their lighter open areas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yacht finished, yeah. you know. Yeah, carbon boat would be great for the Galveston area. Um, you know, the guy who wants to fish cow trap might not want to take that carbon boat in a cow trap, you yeah. know. Exactly. He, he might take the aluminum boat that day. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess you got any final thoughts? No, not really. Yeah, I mean, so. Y'all, y'all heard a bunch of our, a bunch of my passion as far as the aluminum to carbon. Um our carbon customers are going to be there. Aluminum customers are still going to be there. Yeah. So SabineSkiffs.com, look them up. They're going to continue and always will continue the, the aluminum boats and the composite boats. Um, if you're on the fence about any of them, give Brian a call. He'll take you on a demo, but, you know, with the, with the composite new boat, the the carbon, I would just say go ahead and get in line right now because I mean you're going to be, you know, what are they a year out? Yeah. Nine so to twelve months. Get in line right now, and then if you're not quite ready, you'll be ready in a year. So um, put your deposit yeah. down and get in line. You know, because it's only going to get longer. If you have any, if you have any questions about stability how the skiff is going to hold up i'm just going to tell you come take a ride yeah it's going to hold up let's take a ride show you how much it vibrates how much it doesn't vibrate it's a beautiful um, how solid it is i mean it's it's a solid ride boat Mm -hmm. it's it's as light as i feel comfortable building a carbon fiber or or any lightweight boat and i have to give i have to give kaler a plug because you know the beautiful thing about how you two have your businesses aligned is that she puts in the perfect sea <laughs> deck, and oh, no. so you know. And Kayla, I wish she was here. She I felt bad, too. so she left a little early because yeah. she wasn't feeling good. But you know, now that she has her three-axis router, she's cutting a hundred percent of our foams. Mm-hmm. Almost, I would say. By skiff four, all of our foam core is kit cut in house by my wife yeah. and her company. So it's third party, but it's right. not. I can walk Send over to her yeah. company. But mm-hmm. my the hull deck, I would say right now is ninety percent. I mean everything. It's ninety percent kit cut by her. I have special router bits that match our non-skid to our radius deck so i mean everything fits good so her business doing c deck and she can still we've trained her people to cut foam core so i mean she's core cutting my boats we're using the best core or gear it core cell foam for our high impact areas our deck or you know i mean we're trying and we're doing our best to use the best components. Yeah. yeah. So and your boat can leave leave the shop ready to go with sea deck and all everything that turnkey. you need. And like I mean that's that's amazing, you know, yeah. and like you've got 
we don't have you don't have to outsource people right yep. yeah it's all within 80 90 foot of my shop mm-hmm Yep, yep. Well, cool, Brian. I appreciate you stopping by the old fly room to uh, me, talk great. about the carbon. And I'm excited that I got to... The first time I saw one in person was yesterday. At the Was that yesterday? Two days ago. Saturday at the weigh-in. And, uh, you know, when you texted me yesterday, like, you want to go for a ride? I'm like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for that. And... Um, yeah, if anyone has, I don't know how much I went into detail about what I thought about the boat, but I don't really have any negatives. It pulls great. I spun it both ways into the wind, quarter to the wind, side to the wind. Push it, it pushes into the wind really easily. I mean, it's almost like I'll just end on this that let's say you push into a little hole and you really can't get up for whatever reason and you got to push into the wind out of it. It's not so much of a pain in the ass as it is with some skiffs, you know, because some skiffs you're just like, oh, man, I don't want to pull this. But it seemed to pull really easily into the wind. It got moving really easily. Um, And I got on it a couple times, pushed real fast and, you know, try to stop the boat. I mean, it does everything pretty good, man. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's good on the pole. Thank you, Brian. Yep. I appreciate it, guys. I mean a lot to me, and, and your uh, your experience on the pole, and your what's the word I'm looking understanding. for? Understanding. Yeah, your understanding or how the boat moves. I mean, it means a lot. Your experience and your opinions. Yeah. Put it, put it this way: your opinions of the boat means a lot to me. Yeah, so. that's great, man. I mean, I you know, and you know, for lack of we talked about it earlier, and we'll, we could talk all night, but. Um, you know, we went out, it was blowing 15 easy today. And we were going out, just like any boat would, into the waves, quarter the waves. I mean, yes, when we quartered the wave, we got the wind blow back. Just a slight, slight mist, which I, was, I, I wasn't that um, optimistic on how dry it was going to be you know just i mean just the yeah. fact of a matter not flat bottom let's call it flat bottom you know it's gonna push water out more but um i was impressed you know i mean it's dry boat yeah. i'll say it it's dry boat yeah. you know yeah we put a lot of heart into that one and um yeah guys i appreciate y'all's opinions and yeah we just have to go catch some fish now that's it cool Peace. Later. Oh, I forgot to hit record. Oh, yeah. <laughs>